Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast number 601 for September 11th, 2016. I have been, and never shall be, your friend. I suspect our future is there waiting for us. Make it so. The truth is, I don't believe in a no-win scenario. Is that what you believe in, James T? You must learn to govern your passions. The captain cannot cheat death. This could just be the beginning. You know, it's exciting. I swear to you, we're not finished yet. All hands to battle stations. In three, two, one. Engage. I will do everything I can to make you answer for what you did. This is about saving the future of humanity. I do not deserve to live. Fine, I'll kill you later. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? Remember, live long and prosper. So, this is goodbye. I will be back. You better be. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hello everyone, this is uh, Jeff from Canada, Jedi Jeff on the Treks and Sci-Fi forum and community, and I am guest hosting the podcast today. Um, the topic today will be uh, talking about some of um, some of the recent ships that have shown up in um, Star Trek and uh, Star Wars. I'm just going to touch base on a few of them and just give uh, some, some of my thoughts about those and, uh, and a few other uh, notes. Uh, but before that, I've feel I should probably um, also um, make a talk about a few other things here. I guess uh, first and foremost, I want to um, congratulate uh, Rico on the uh, recent milestone and anniversary, um, getting to 600 uh, podcast episodes in an 11th year. That's um, quite uh, quite the accomplishment. And I congratulate Rico for um, running such a great podcast and uh, allowing uh, so many of us to be able to contribute uh, to this podcast. He's always been so open to allow others to also um, come and guest host and uh, share share some of the things that they're interested in or topics they want to cover. And um, really want to thank Rico for, for allowing that and for always kind of uh, being open to uh, people's contributions and just... Uh, we're just kind of uh, creating this whole kind of um, community around uh, treks and sci-fi, and uh, I have to say, um, it's kind of made a impact in my life. Um, you know, like I say, it's it certainly added a lot to it, and I've certainly met a lot of people through the treks and sci-fi community. Um, and even though I haven't really met many of them personally, um, I still consider a lot of the people that I have met uh, to be good friends and. Uh, is to be a, a great community and uh, certainly something that I, I really uh, cherish. And uh, like I said, I really like to thank Rico for um, continuing on with the podcast and all his efforts. He does uh, maintaining it and keeping it going forward. Uh, 
I know these things, uh, they're, they're a lot of effort um, to uh, keep doing podcasts and all that. And uh, like I say, it takes up a lot of time. And uh, like I say, I, I really uh, thank him for, for persisting on and keeping up with it. And uh, all I can say, it really means a lot to me. So uh, thank you, uh, Rico. And uh, thank you for letting me uh, guest host this week as well, too. Uh, I feel uh, real, really privileged uh, to um, be able to uh, guest host again. Give me another uh, anniversary note I should uh, make, and that is uh, make note of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, which uh, premiered uh, back in uh, September uh, 50 years ago, and it's that's an incredible accomplishment as well too. To think that um, you know that Star Trek is still going uh, 50 years uh, after it, it premiered, and uh, I'm guessing when that series started way back when, no one ever thought that something like uh like like that show would uh, last on and on and on like it has and uh for all that it, it's kind of um spawned with all the additional tv series the movies like i say it's it's made like a really large uh kind of uh, footprint i think in in today's kind of uh culture or pop culture or, or media and like say I, myself i i can't think uh, again you know like I, I look back to all the years of uh, trek and uh, you know how many years um like say i've you know been kind of into trek and following trek and like say that's a good long part of my life that uh, you know that star trek's been there and uh, you know that, that's pretty great and like say i think back to like uh, when the the tv series um like say they had the original series which uh, started uh, before I was born, um, but uh, like I said, I picked it up in um, reruns, and then after that, when um, the uh, you know Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, when those uh, had their runs, uh, that was always something I always looked forward to. Each week was the uh, was a was a new episode, and um, you know I, I really look back uh, fondly at um, all those series and uh, like say all the all the entertainment that they've rotten me over the years uh, I really appreciate that I'm looking forward to the um, new series uh, starting up in the in the new year uh, like say uh, I'm excited about that as well too again um, you know always really enjoy um, Star Trek um, on the TV I enjoy the movies as well too and uh, you know like say I've enjoyed a lot of the movies that have come out and really enjoyed the uh, most recent one uh, Star Trek uh, Beyond I felt that was the uh, best one out of this Kelvin universe um, Star Trek, but uh, the TV series is really where it is for me when it comes to Star Trek. So I'm eagerly anticipating the uh, the new series. Um, like I said, I'm kind of um, excited about it, and I've I've read some stories about uh, some of um, some of the stuff they say that might be happening or what to look out for, and it's got my interest uh, quite piqued. I'll be honest, uh, though, you know I'm. Maybe I see things a little differently, and maybe people would uh, argue with me a bit about this, but uh, and this is kind of the way TV goes nowadays, too. I'm still kind of a guy who likes that kind of that, you know, 20-some episode run a year. Like I said, I just like that consistency of episodes from week to week. Uh, I guess a person could make an argument that you're going to get some, you know, kind of less than stellar episodes, and if you do a, a shorter run like... Uh, they do with a lot of these shows nowadays that you're going to get, you know, much stronger, um, stronger uh, shows. But uh, part of me misses just uh, 
you know, just those those week to week a new episode and um, you know, like say and you know, this new series sounds like it's going to be much more serialized as well too, and not as not really episodic like uh, a lot of the original um, Star Trek series were. Um, which will be cool, and that's kind of the way TV goes nowadays, but part of me as well, too, kind of misses that episodic um, feel to um, to uh, kind of uh, the Star Trek uh, shows that you can kind of just pick up one and watch it without feeling uh, overly committed to having to watch a whole bunch of others. I like, I watched all the Star Trek um, shows, um, you know, so I've seen every one, and like I say, you know, like I say, uh, I had never really had a problem if they became serialized or not, but it's always nice, you know, like say if you see something on reruns or something like that, oh, I just want to pop this one in and not feel like, oh, well, I need to start really from this spot and start watching them, you know, to get the, you know, the full context of of an episode. Sometimes it's nice just to watch, you know, episodes, um, you know, just um, as they come and not have to have anything kind of, you know, watch, watch a whole group of them or a whole series of them. But uh, again, it seems like uh, the way that they're making shows nowadays, uh, that's the way they're going. So um, like I say, I'll enjoy this. Um, wish there was going to be more in a season, but I'm going to really treasure um, the ones that we do get. And like I say, I'm really looking forward to uh, when the series uh, premieres in, in the new year. Anyways, um, probably uh, talked a little too long um, to start off. But again, um, I just want to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, wish uh, Star Trek a happy 50th birthday or 50th anniversary. Uh, I don't think I'll be around uh, 50 years from now, so I won't be around for the uh, 100th year, but uh, or 100th anniversary. But I sure hope uh, they're still going in, uh, you know, at 100 years, uh, like I say, because I think that uh, Star Trek is a great um, series, and I think it has a lot to. Um, I still think it has a lot. To add to um, to just um, our culture and just even just the uh, entertainment and pop culture, I, I still think uh, there's a big spot for uh, Star Trek, and like I say, I'm looking forward to to uh, what we'll get um, in the years to come. Anyways, I'm going to um, now kind of kick off into my uh, discussion um, for uh, this podcast and. Um, I thought about it for a bit, and I thought, you know what, I think I want to talk a bit more about ships. And it seems lately, I seem to, every time I'm guest hosting, I'm always talking about ships. And uh, it's something that, um, ships are something that I really, um, that's what really draws me to um, to a lot of these shows, is um, the ships. Uh, like, you know, I like I like the stories and all, and all that as well too, but a lot of times it's, it's just the, the ships and the the traveling through space and all that that really just captures my imagination and um, you know like I say especially with um, Star Trek and then also Star Wars because I'll talk a little bit about Star Wars ships as well too here but uh, I always find that those ships from those two franchises um, those are the ones which seem to really connect with me like the, there's a few other ships that I really like from some other franchises as well too but um, um, for the most part um, like say every time I see a ship from like a, a Star Trek show or um, um, some sort of Star Wars property, um, like say I, I always kind of stop and have a kind of a longer look and, and want to learn more about them. And uh, like say and like say it's just kind of it's just a big interest of mine is the ships. So uh, so I thought you know what I'm going to talk about some ships on this podcast um, and I'm going to talk about maybe um, the one that kind of caught my eye the most in uh, Star Trek. 
Beyond, and I'm going to talk about the ship, uh, the USS Franklin. The USS Franklin, um, for anyone who hasn't seen um, uh, Star Trek Beyond, is um, is a, a ship that they discover um, on that planet that they um, crash into after, uh, you know, af after the um, spoiler alert, I guess, after they kind of lose the uh, their Enterprise, um, you know, they get kind of marooned and um, to kind of um, kind of uh, get off the uh, the planet and all that and uh, get back to the um, kind of space station and all that kind of stuff. They need to find another ship and uh, and and they do and um, the ship is one that uh, like say it was marooned I guess or, or crashed and it's called the USS Franklin and um, I'll start off um, talking a little bit about maybe some of the uh, the technical details or what little we have we don't have a lot of details about this uh, ship yet um, I kind of uh, looked around did some research but I couldn't find a lot so um, so uh, like say I, I found a few resources but I suspect as um, as uh, you know years to come or months to come um, there'll be more uh, information out about uh, about this ship um, that will be shared and um, like I say I'm looking forward to it but uh, for now I'll just um, I'll just give a little bit of uh, um, details about it. Um, like I say, it's a it's a Starship uh, class of ship. Um, it's called the USS Franklin, and it was the first Earth ship capable of reaching warp four. And um, it's got um, kind of um, the armaments um, are kind of typical of of its era, and its era is um, the 22nd uh, century, and it's kind of um, it's in the era of um, the uh, Enterprise uh, TV show, so the uh, Captain Archer's um, Enterprise. Uh, this one preceded that. This is a um, this is um, was kind of a prototype ship that uh, came before um, Archer's one. So um, it's a it's kind of designated as an NX um, um, class or NX registry type um, ship. And uh, like say again, um, its armaments were uh, like say they had the kind of the phase cannons and uh, spatial torpedoes, and then the polarized hull plating, um, kind of like what we've seen in the Enterprise series. Um, you know, they had that type of armament as well. And again, like I said, this one was a um, kind of was uh, the first Earth ship capable of um, warp four. Um, it's got kind of a um, to be honest, I, I was looking through a bit of the uh, history on this because um, it's uh, kind of falls into this gray area because um, since it was the first Earth ship which was uh, capable of warp four, that means it proceeded, um, you know, Archer's Enterprise, which was a warp five um, starship. But if you look at the um, at the the registration of it or whatever. Um, the registry it's a NX three two six, whereas um, Archer's Enterprise was NX zero one, and uh, so it's just like, well, how could a ship that came before um, the Enterprise have like a, a later um, um, red registry uh, designation? And um, that was kind of interesting. So like, I was reading a bit through uh, kind of a, a few of the um, some stories and, and information about it. And um, kind of came across that essentially what uh, a lot of people are, are saying was that um, since this is a warp four ship, that it sort of fell in between, I guess, 
when Archer and um, Archer and and Starfleet and all that were kind of doing um, they were kind of doing the uh, you know kind of the tests for warp, and then they had done some tests for the uh, the uh, like warp 2.5 and warp 3. Um, so they were kind of um, doing tests between that. So they're trying to establish the like a you know so they had established a a warp three barrier and apparently they established that in um, 2145. And then um, they said that the Enterprise, the uh, Starfleet's first warp five ship, um, it began in 2150. So somewhere between 2145 and 2150, um, you know, this USS Franklin um, ship was um, designated, and it was mostly a. Um, they said again, it was kind of more of a prototype ship. So, uh, so like say, like say, I guess it wasn't really um, didn't really have a lot of them, I guess. And um, again, as well too, they said it's like a starship, but it's almost kind of like in a sense, maybe like an oversized shuttle or cargo ship in a sense, more so than kind of like, uh, you know, kind of more than more traditional star starships that, that we've come to be quite familiar with, uh, starting on with the archers and going forward in the um, Star Star Trek uh, universe. So, um, like I said, they had this, uh, actually this uh, really nice um, diagram of the ship on, um, on uh, Popular Mechanics. Um, they had a bit of a... Um, Kind of uh, how you classify the this kind of um, cross view sections or whatever, where you know, kind of they show like um, kind of the outside of the ship, but then also show some some of the um, interior as well. And they had a a nice looking um, uh, diagram of this thing, and it's not a really it's not a really large ship. Unfortunately, I can't really get the like the dimensions of it or the size of it. I, I checked a, a few um, different spots, but they didn't really have a lot of uh, details on that uh, um, quite uh, quite yet. But um, looking at it compared to the size of the uh, you know the um, Kelvin Enterprise, it's like just um, it's like just a fraction of the size of the, the Kelvin Enterprise. It's almost like um, based off this diagram, it's like uh, maybe a fifth of the size it looks like of the um of the like say the calvin enterprise and uh again like say this thing seems more like um like like they say it was kind of just like kind of an oversized shuttle with like a warp engine um strapped to it and i was kind of looking um kind of through the uh kind of just this this diagram of it and everything's pretty much compartmentalized all kind of in the center of this saucer section for this ship and uh it almost reminds me of um, those people with the muscle cars of the old days, where they, uh, you know, you're like sitting like kind of right on the engine or something like that. And like I said, I was looking at the like uh, the bridge is kind of pretty much sits right on top of like main engineering and the warp core, and it's just like, you know, that's you know like you're sitting like right on the like on the heart of the the ship there, whereas you know like uh, um, you know you know enterprises and starships. Uh, beyond you know they're always kind of in that um uh, kind of secondary hall area or, or or whatever like it wasn't you know they were kind of separated from kind of where the crew did most of their operations but since this ship is such a smaller ship uh, everything is all kind of um all kind of in one kind of area on the ship 
And uh, like I say, so I found that kind of uh, interesting. I was reading through, um, again, some of the um, some of the history, like say where they're kind of um, trying to pinpoint down kind of like where this ship um, falls. Um, again, I, I guess I should make note of it too, that the uh, USS Franklin is, um, is a Star Trek Prime based um, ship. Um, so it was based off the kind of the Prime universe that uh, we've come to uh, know for quite well. And again, like I said, it was um, it since it was a warp four. It was the first Earth warp warp four ship. It preceded Archer's um, uh, NX zero one. Um, but again, like I say, you know, from uh, the registry number, um, like I say, it has a, a later registry number. And what I kind of uh, sussed out from reading a few different articles and information is that uh, it originally was a ship that was kind of um, was wasn't it was kind of kind of came in before kind of uh united federations of uh planets and all that so um like say this was a was a ship that was um maybe more uh, meant for the the military more so than um than uh than for kind of uh yeah you know, the ufp or, or or starfleet or whatever so it might might have been more used in you know in a you know, by a different kind of organization. And then, like say, it was kind of a, like say, a, you know, a Mako type ship, I guess as well too, or like say the, um, you know, like say, uh, like say, as we found out that uh, was that, uh, you know, like on the um, on the ship that, uh, you know, uh, Baltazar Edison, or, you know, let's say as we saw in Star Trek Beyond, uh, he was, uh, he was a person who captained the ship originally and uh like say that we, and he was like a mako officer and then after kind of all the stuff which kind of happened with the zindi and all that kind of stuff um they kind of disbanded the the mako and then they they kind of gave him this um this ship so it looks like um possibly after kind of all of the um all the stuff that uh, happened with the the zindi and all um all that stuff kind of after kind of the enterprise series that they kind of made me um they had this ship and then they just kind of um brought it into um into starfleet i guess and uh you know united federations of planets and kind of repurposed that and that's kind of where it got um you know it's uh you know it's um registry or designation so that might be why it has um has a later uh later um marking than than you know the enterprise and then um like say so and it like kind of um like say it came before you know like the uh you know the the enterprise of archer's era and then like say after they kind of disbanded the mako and all that they you know they gave this ship over to uh you know to uh, captain edison to uh pilot and that was kind of um that was in the uh, 2160s um that uh, they kind of um said that um that's when he was uh captaining captaining the ship so there was you know like say there was a bit of um bit of a uh you know a time uh difference between when the ship uh, originally was built and was being used and then it must have like say once it came out with the uh, you know the enterprise um type ships uh like say they, they weren't really using it, I guess, or they were using it for other purposes. And then, kind of after the events of like uh, the Enterprise series, they um, they kind of went back to it. So, like say, like again, they said it kind of came in between sometime between 2145 and uh, 
2150 and then like say came under kind of um you know captain uh you know captain uh you know edison's uh command in the 2160s and then they say that um basically it got lost uh, they say kind of around the 2164, I believe, is is when they, they said that the ship kind of disappeared. Um, so, like, say it was so sometime in the 2160s, you know, you know, like say, kind of kind of got brought into this whole kind of Starfleet type kind of um, with the other Starfleet ships before it was more of a you know, military or Mako type ship, like say, and then they gave this, this ship to, you know, um, Captain Edison, and then uh, he went on his mission with it. But again, like say, it wasn't, uh, it was kind of a, um, an older version, again, like say, it had, um, you know, it had the warp bore engine, so it wasn't um, as up to date as, as the, um, as, as the Enterprise or, or the ships of the Enterprise era of Captain Archer's. Um, but they did do some updates, like they said, they did update the um, the uh, transporter to be able to handle uh, like biomatter or whatever, which meant that they could tra transport uh, humans because that was kind of um, technology that they were still kind of um, kind of developing when uh, Enterprise was uh, Enterprise series was going on, and they kind of brought that in in um, it was a later season uh, season four possibly of uh, Enterprise. Uh, I know there was a you know some more talk about you know using the transporter and then you know kind of some of the first um, you know documented or um, uses of the transporter to actually transport um, kind of humans. Um, so it was kind of uh, kind of uh, interesting uh, you know that uh, it looks like uh, so even though it had the warp four engines, uh, there was some uh, modifications done to this ship and then. Essentially, it just, uh, I guess, then um, kind of got lost in that accident. And uh, then it was just kind of, you know, lost for like 100 years or, or so until, you know, um, um, the Kelvin uh, uh, universe, uh, Kirk uh, and his crew uh, kind of uh, found the ship and, and brought it back into service. And um, a couple other notes about this ship. Um, again, like, say, the, um, the, the number on it is the uh, NX326. Um, and um, what's significance with 326 is apparently um, that is kind of a tribute to uh, Leonard Nimoy, whose birthday was uh, March 26. So uh, that's uh, where the uh, 326 uh, number got picked. So that's kind of the, I guess, out of universe or out of canon type kind of explanation on why that number was chosen. And uh, the USS Franklin, um, that, that name was chosen because of uh, Justin Lin, who is the director of Star Trek and Beyond, uh, he named this ship after his uh, father, whose name is uh, Franklin Lin. So I guess that's one of the perks of uh, kind of being like the director or whatever of uh, Star Trek is that um, you can uh, kind of uh, name uh, name some of these uh, things um, after, you know, family members or friends or, or whatever you want. So that's kind of a nice tribute that he did to his uh, father to name this sh ship after him. Um few uh, things as well too. I'll just talk a little bit about the design. Um, I did some reading and um, this uh, ship was designed by a fellow named uh, Sean Hargraves who looks like he's uh, 
kind of a designer. He's done work on some other movies, and he did a lot of uh, design work for uh, Star Trek Beyond. And um, I saw a few. Uh, they had a few kind of um, concept art pieces and all that um, that they're working on. And uh, this ship's got kind of. Um, it's got a bit of um, that. Uh, vibe that uh, you know the uh, nx-01 archers ship has it's got that again like say it's got kind of um, you know like the polarized hull plating it's got the kind of that similar type kind of um, more what is that gunmetal gray or just kind of a that more kind of military type kind of grayish type kind of look to it more so than maybe you know when we think about you know enterprises like later like you know like picard's uh, enterprise um, from next generation or voyager or the defiant or some of those ships you know they look um, you know more i won't say colorful but not as military military like they're you know they look like say like they don't have quite the kind of the dark um kind of like say colors to them and uh, kind of again not so military like like the uh, enterprise era type ships do and uh, this one it's got kind of um like say it's got kind of a i reminiscent uh, kind of um look to it like say it doesn't really have that kind of that um kind of that secondary hall like the enterprise has you know like because it has you know kind of the saucer section and then the, that kind of that hull to it this one's kind of basically got like kind of a saucer section and then it's got the nacelles kind of kind of attached to it and um like say uh like say it's kind of uh it's got that kind of unique look as well too in that it's um like the back of it where the nacelles are kind of um housed it's got almost kind of um i read some stuff where they said when they're kind of designing it a bit uh and maybe it was a bit on purpose at the time maybe not so much but it kind of stuck was they just were kind of looking at you know kind of that starfleet emblem and they they're kind of mimicking that a little bit in the sense of um how kind of the back part looked and then it sort of kind of kept so it's kind of interesting in that way that uh how it looks like say i to be honest i really like the look of this ship you know i i i, I think it looks really nice and um you know i i don't like to sound like i'm being all kind of negative against the Kind of the Kelvin Universe um, ships, because I, I like them and I appreciate those ships. But there's something about um, these ships uh, from the Prime Universe which seem to um, uh, they connect more to me than kind of these Kelvin ones. Um, like and I like I'm a you know like I I like J.J. Abrams and I I've you know I like a, a lot of what he does, but uh, some of his design choices I found like. You know, in the original or in these Star Trek movies, the first two, and then even in um, in the Force Awakens, um, I found some of the like like some of the ships and all that kind of stuff that, uh, like say, I just felt, you know, at times they just didn't feel they didn't come across to me like they're really grabbed me like they're like representing that um, that particular uh, franchise and. Again, like say, I, I don't have huge issues with the Kelvin Universe uh, Enterprise, um, but uh, like I say, when I look at this this USS Franklin, it just it, it looks more in line what I, I feel like a, a, a Star Trek ship uh, should be um, to me. And uh, like say, I like this ship. I like like say I. I I like that, um, like say that it's 
kind of like a small, more smaller ship, I guess. It's not this big kind of big ship, and it looks like it's, like I say, it's really just got like kind of a small area, like say for like the quarters and the bridge and uh, you know their engineering and all that, and then just the nacelles. It's it's not a ship which really is manned by like a, a really large crew. And, and like I said, it, it seemed to be like it almost might have been either somewhat of a cargo ship or just maybe like a maybe a more powerful type shuttle or some sort of uh, if it was used by the military, something which maybe they used to maybe um, escort, um, you know, you know, maybe other cargo ships or, or something like that. Something with a little bit of firepower, kind of a bit like, you know, you think back to like the Defiant or something like that, which was really just a kind of a war purpose machine really or, or or ship at the time like say there wasn't really any considerations to like uh any um you know you know exploration type uh stuff or like carrying a, a really large crew or things like that even when you look at like kind of the like um oh i'd say the reliant or or um things like that you look at some of these other ships which you know maybe they're exploration based so then they you know, they're kind of designed, maybe not to carry a big crew, but designed to, you know, facilitate, you know, science or exploration, where this ship seems to really come across to me as, like, its original purpose was maybe more, like, say, again, a military-type ship, and, uh, like, say, not meant to have, like, a really large crew on it. Um, but, like, say, I really liked the design, and it was, I was reading some uh, notes on it, it was interesting that when they originally designed this ship, Actually, um, the original um, um, design of it was the um, the nacelles were actually pointing down instead of pointing up, and um, I guess apparently the uh, planet that it was supposed to be uh, kind of uh, crashed on was going to be kind of like a, a sand planet or something like that. And the whole idea at the time was that uh, it was kind of going to do a vertical liftoff. So I, I guess it, um, at the time they were designing it with the nacelles down, but then when um, they decided that it was going to be on this other uh, more rocky type planet and kind of how they kind of uh, launched it uh, you know they decided that they uh, that the design made more sense with the nacelles kind of being up and I think that's a kind of um, I, I like like that they went with the nacelles going up because to me of, of that kind of era you know like say you look back at you know like Kirk's or you know the original series Kirk's Enterprise or even the Kelvin Kirk's Enterprise or you know Archer's Enterprise you know like um, you know, the, the cells are up, you know, later, you know, like see things like uh, Voyager and all that where, you know, the cells could kind of move around, but, uh, or like that. But at this era, it seems like, uh, for the most part, a lot of the nacelles were kind of, uh, pointing, pointing up. So I like that, uh, maybe they kind of went with that, that way. Um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting reading through kind of the, uh, um, the information about that and looking at some of the pictures of it of some of the original concepts that uh, they had the nacelles uh, pointing down and I thought that was kind of uh, interesting as well too actually the original name of this was uh, apparently the USS Pioneer and then I guess later they decided that they were going to um, going to uh, to switch the um, the nacelles to, to up because they weren't going to actually have to lift off vertically the, the script called for something differently on it um, so I found that interesting and like say again looking at the uh, kind of some of the uh, concept art and all that like say it was uh, it was kind of cool to see like kind of where they were coming from at, at the start and uh, I thought that was really cool a few other things that um, kind of um, 
was reading through two, which I found kind of interesting about the ship was um, they were talking a bit about um, you know the ship in the movie they kind of made reference uh, when they're kind of prepping it to um, to take off that um, you know in the prime universe um, they're building most of their ships out in you know in space docks and all that and like I say we saw in um, we saw that NX-02 um, I believe uh, being uh, built out on um, out in space um, like say, whereas uh, in the Kelvin universe, they're building a lot of the um, starships like uh, the Enterprise and all that. They're building them actually like on Earth, uh, like down on the planet. And so when they're talking about um, taking this uh, this uh, Franklin, um, you know, getting it out of the uh, off the planet, uh, they had to take some considerations um, to uh, allow it to kind of um, take off because it was in atmosphere. It was in the kind of the planet's atmosphere, and that wasn't something that uh, this ship was really capable of in the prime universe. Where we, whereas we've seen in you know the Calvin universe that um, you know they they kind of built these ships actually, you know, or they start start the build of them actually on Earth. Whereas whereas in the prime universe, uh, you know, they're they're building them out in, out in space. So I thought that was kind of a kind of an interesting um, kind of uh, consideration that they had to take and to kind of even really get down into that kind of details of the difference between the kind of the prime universe and the Kelvin universe. I, I thought that was kind of uh, really uh, kind of an interesting kind of uh, take on it and uh, kind of a little uh, tidbit on it. So again, um, that's kind of um, like I say, so overall, like I say, I really like this USS Franklin. Um, like I say, it's, it's just a really nice looking ship to me. I like that it's um, it's got again that real Star Trek uh, Prime kind of look, and it it looks like it fits really right into that kind of that that era of of uh, when they were first just um, getting their warp ships kind of off and, and going. And um, like I say, this is um, you know I, I really like this ship, and um, you know what? Uh, like I say, I think again, like I said, I think this might be one of my kind of more favorite ships or I actually I almost definitely would say this is my favorite ship out of all the ships that we've seen so far in the kind of this new Star Trek uh, Calvin universe um, this this Franklin ship is my favorite uh, ship I'm just going to take a quick brief break here and then I will be back to talk a bit about a couple Star Wars ships Star Trek, the game. A game so challenging, you need this combat control panel to play it. Take command of the Starship Enterprise as you battle your way through unknown sectors. Blast Klingons. Raise your shields. Watch for space mines. Is this the most challenging game in the galaxy? It's inhuman. Star Trek from Sega. I'm back here and... Uh... That was a long discussion I had about the uh, USS Franklin, probably a bit more than I was expecting. But um, I guess once I started talking about that ship, I just uh, sort of got kind of uh, really wrapped up in it. But anyways, um, now I'm going to uh, talk about a couple uh, ships that uh, are going to come up in that new uh, Rogue One uh, Star Wars movie that's coming out in uh, December. Um, I thought I'd just uh, maybe uh, spend a couple minutes just uh, talking about these uh, two ships um um, coming out, One's, uh, one ship is from the uh, Empire side of things, and the uh, 
either ship is from the uh, rebel side of uh, side of the fence there. First one I'm going to talk about is the TIE Striker. So it is another TIE fighter in, uh, I guess, a bunch of different uh, variations in the Imperial Navy of, uh, of TIE fighters. Um, and uh, this one is, uh, is new. I guess we have not seen this one before in any of the other uh, Star Wars movies. So it's a, it's a new ship. Um, and uh, like I say, it's kind of... Um, it's an interesting looking ship, uh, like I say, and uh, it's uh, kind of got, um, it's a bit reminiscent, uh, I guess, of the uh, TIE Interceptor in, in uh, some regards as uh, its wings are kind of similar to it. It's, it's essentially, it's kind of like half of a TIE Interceptor wing. Um, and then it's kind of, um, like I say, they're kind of, the way they're uh, kind of positioned instead of being kind of, um, kind of, uh, like say, um, you know, kind of like TIE fighters, you know, like uh, in the way those wings are, which are kind of more, uh, you know, kind of up and down type. Uh, this, These ones are kind of angled. They look kind of a bit like, um, almost like, you know, like when you see kind of a predatory type bird in uh, flight, uh, you know, the, you know, the wings are kind of, um, kind of angled or curved. Kind of, kind of reminds me a bit of that. Um, a bit, uh, like say, uh, some people said too that they've kind of felt that this uh, is kind of reminiscent of some of um, some of the Tie Fighters that we've seen before in in some of the EU or in uh, some of the uh, video games. Uh, this one's a bit reminiscent of that. Um, I also find uh, actually, you know, maybe uh, this one kind of um, to me it uh, um, it seems like uh, it's a bit of uh, I can see a little bit of maybe the, you know, kind of the Jedi Starfighters that we saw in, um, you know, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of those two and just kind of the, um, the way the, the wings kind of sort of droop or angle down a bit. Uh, like I say, that's maybe a, a bit of a stretch, I guess, in a, in a sense, maybe. But uh, it does seem a little bit like that to me. Maybe a little, like say, maybe a little bit of uh, influence from that. I don't know if that's the the case or not, but uh, maybe I'll I'll talk a little bit about some, um, you know, some of the details that we know. We don't know a lot yet, uh, um, like say, because we haven't even seen this movie or this ship in the in the movie yet, because uh, the movie isn't out. But uh, I found a little bit of details online, um, some of the technical um, technical details about this is uh, again, it's called the Tie Striker. It's um, manufactured as a senior fleet system, so kind of uh, one of the uh, traditional um, builders for the Empire back in that era of, uh, of the Star Wars uh, canon or universe. Um, again, like say, the line is the uh, TIE line, I guess. Um, you know, the twin ion engine starfighter, uh, starfighter class. Um, again, like all TIE fighters, it's got the twin ion engines, hence the uh, TIE type kind of name you know the solar energy from like the wings which have the solar panels on it um the uh the maximum at atrum oh why can't i say that uh, atmospheric uh, speed maximum atmospheric speed is uh 1500 kilo kilometers and then the armament um they say is uh laser cannons um what other they have a few other things here they say it's got uh, advanced high 
speed wings. Um, they say it's got a heat exchange matrix, a solar energy collectors. I guess that's where the, again, you know, with the solar panels and all that and solar energy support. And uh, this one's kind of interesting in that uh, this is kind of, um, it's meant more for uh, um, a vehicle in the atmosphere, more so than um, the space. It, it will do, uh, you know, space as, space combat as well too. But um, I guess this is meant more for uh, atmospheric patrols, more kind of a um, patrolling type, I, I guess, like bases or uh, imperial installations or, or um, doing patrols on uh, planet-wide. Uh, it'll also do some um, space combat um, as well too, but... I think this one is it's more uh, it's more meant for uh, for for the atmosphere I think so that might um, kind of explain why we never really saw it in any of the other Star Wars uh, movies which um, you know because uh, Rogue One is kind of a prequel I guess to um, the uh, TO or the original trilogy uh, so like why we never saw this before if it was more in the atmosphere um, you know say in the original trilogy didn't really get a lot into that uh, per se where these ships would have uh, really uh, been uh, needed. Uh, like I say again, not a lot of information about this one. Uh, like I say, I looked around a bit, but I like I say again, not a lot of details. There was a kind of a leak on some of the um, some of the information. They had a leak from one of the, um, I think, you know, usually they have guides like, uh, you know, technical guides and uh, you know, books that they kind of release when uh, the movies come out, with uh, which usually cover like some of the details on uh, some of the elements in um, Star Wars. Um, so there were some leaks of some uh, pages from those books, and uh, one was um, the uh, the Tie Striker, and uh, so I found found one, and it's uh, like again, it, it mostly it just kind of covers off what I said that. Uh, you know, like say, the, you know, the top speed seems to be in the atmosphere seems to be 1500 kilometers an hour. Uh, what do they say as well too? Uh, here's a little write up. The TIE Striker aerial assault vehicles uh, carried aboard uh, Star, Detro Star Destroyers and battle stations. TIE Fighters were single pilot uh, vehicles uh, designed for fast paced dogfights with uh, Rebel X-Wings and other Starfighters. Uh, the iconic uh, TIE Fighter led to other models in the TIE family, including the dagger-shaped uh, TIE Interceptor and the explosive-laden TIE Bomber. The terrifying um, roar of the TIE engines would strike fear in the hearts of all enemies of the Empire. Um, yeah, so that really doesn't tell you very much about the TIE Striker. That's more... You know, just telling us about uh, previous uh, TIE fighters. Um, but yeah, so for the most part, uh, based off of what I've seen so far here, um, like say, uh, and what they kind of uh, shared so far, it's mostly, again, kind of a, um, it's more of a, uh, of a, um, you know, this one is more for, uh, you know, planet side and for kind of patrols and things like that. Uh, kind of a, uh, Again, like I say, maybe a few comments on the look on it. Again, like I say, it's got kind of the these kind of two kind of uh, angled uh, wings or solar panels, and then it's got kind of the cockpit. And usually on the um, kind of a, the other Tie Fighters, they're usually um, you know single pilot uh, kind of uh, ball shaped cockpits. Cockpits. This one's got it looks like it's a little longer 
the uh, cockpit. Uh, and like I say, it's a little longer than you know some of the other um, Tie Fighters, so I, I'm not sure um, um, the reasoning behind that. Um, like I say, I guess we'll find out more when more details come out. Uh, but uh, it's not a bad looking ship. Um, like I say, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have to see it in the movie. But uh, like I say, I'm not sure if it'd be. If I was going to pick uh, like uh, you know favorite uh, Tie Fighter designs, I'm not sure this one would be you know kind of on the top of my list. It'd probably be more to the bottom of it. But again, once maybe I see it uh, in action, maybe I'll have a, uh, some different feelings on it. The next ship I'm going to talk about is on the um, on the Rebel side of things, and uh, we're going to talk about the uh, it's the U-wing or the UT-60D. Um, as it's uh, as it's you know kind of proper name, but it's called the U-wing. Uh, like I say the rebels, they seem to like to call a lot of their uh, different ships um, after uh, you know kind of different um, letters of the alphabet. And uh, some kind of uh, details on this one. This one's uh, manufacturer is the Incom Corporation. Um, it's got a hyperdrive system. In it, uh, armament is a blaster cannon. Um, the crew is two pilots and a door gunner, and it it can carry you know several passengers. So this one is kind of um, it's kind of meant more as a um, I guess in a sense maybe a bit of a troop transport slash gunship. So it's meant more for um, what do they say here? It's kind of meant to kind of uh, transport kind of um, troops. And then um, kind of provide some kind of uh, cover for them while they're like uh, uh, disembarking. So it's not it's not really meant to be a uh, like a, a ship that's meant to to be in like uh, combat or dogfights or things like that. This is again like say it's more of a transport or a gunship I guess in a sense. Um, like say the interesting thing with this I think is uh, kind of the way the wings move. Um, if you look at it. Uh, Either the wings, um, like I say, it's got uh, the wings kind of point um, forwards, so it looks like a kind of a big, um, big kind of long, uh, kind of thin type kind of uh, ship with like kind of uh, two the wings, you know, uh, pointing out frontwards, almost kind of like uh, you know prongs on a, a fork or something like that uh, in a sense. And then what will happen is is they'll actually um, they'll kind of fan out a bit. Um, into what they call kind of a U. Um, to me, in, in, in some senses, it, it seems more like a, a V in a, in a sense, more so than a than a U. But uh, I guess when you when they're kind of uh, when they're not fanned out, I guess uh, if you kind of stand it up on on its end or something like that, then it kind of uh, looks like a, a U. So I guess that's probably why they de determined calling it a U wing. And uh, like I say again as well too, it it uh, it can carry troops. So it'll be interesting to see how many troops it can carry uh like say that's kind of uh, that'll be the interesting one it looks like uh it can carry a, a decent amount of uh of um troops in it based off kind of some of the trailer information we've seen so far uh so like say and it's got kind of um it's got that traditional rebel ship type kind of look it's kind of white and it's got some engines on the back i guess so uh, like I say, it's got got that look, and if you look a little deeper into it too, like if you look at the cockpit on it, it's a bit reminiscent of kind of like a Y-wing, almost 
with if you look at kind of the front half of it in a sense and kind of disregard the the wings on each side of it it, it is pretty reminiscent of a y-wing actually so that's kind of uh that's kind of cool and then like say it's got those big kind of like again like those x-wingy type kind of rebel alliance type kind of uh engines on the back so it's like i say it's it's definitely uh definitely falls in line with uh with the um with what uh, the rebels are uh you know what the rebels uh, use here and just looking through a little bit of the details again uh this is on some kind of uh, leaked information on uh on some of the uh online for uh for uh the, some of the books coming out but uh like i say it, it looks like uh like i say it's um yeah, let's say what do they say here let's find some details hey they got it got laser cannons and it's got uh is it called an S-foil wing assembly again? Like saying though, instead of like an X-wing where the X wings are kind of kind of go out in X pattern, these kind of just kind of uh, kind of move back into you know from you know kind of straightforward to kind of a kind of a angle type kind of look. It's it's kind of a like say again, it's a real interesting ship, and uh, like I say, I'm really interested in seeing what this uh, one looks like uh, when the movie comes out. Uh, like say, I, I think the biggest thing is I'm just really interested to see how many troops it can actually carry in it and kind of the scale of it because uh looking at it you go i look at it and i go well you know just looking at a picture here you know it's tough to kind of determine the scale because if i'm trying to compare it against like an x-wing or a y-wing or something like that uh this uh the ship uh since it's a kind of a troop transport is, is going to be a bigger ship and it, i mean i'm really interested in like say in this one to kind of see see it actually in action and uh like say again i i like I like that it's got elements um, from some of these other uh, rebel ships. Um, really, really like that. So uh, um, again, uh, like I say, just to cover off, this is uh, the U-wing or the UT-60D, and this is one of the ships in the uh, in in the, the Rebel Alliance. And uh, again, it very uh, specific ship. Uh, again, like I say, it's kind of um, kind of a troop transport. So again, maybe answers why we never really saw it in the other um, in the other uh, Star Wars movies because uh, uh, the original trilogy movies, at least in that in this area, that um, there wasn't really any situations, I guess, which really called for the the use of this ship. And then even when uh, that battle on Endor, they had to basically they had to sneak onto Endor in a in a rebel or in an imperial imperial shuttle so they they couldn't make use of ships like that and in, in uh you know in in return of the jedi and uh, like in the other movies like say yeah it was just i guess there wasn't ever any real situations where the ship uh, was uh was needed so it, it it's kind of cool i i like the ship like say uh, between the two i prefer the ship over the uh, tie striker um, like I say, I like I say, I'm really looking forward to seeing this one in action. Now I'm just going to uh, kind of finish off the podcast today and um, just talk a little bit about uh, maybe some of the collectibles which are um, coming out for some of the ships that I've um, talked about so far in this um, in in this podcast. First, I'll maybe talk a bit about the collectibles for uh, for that that Franklin ship I was talking about earlier. So first off, um, I was looking in the Franklin to see kind of kind of what kind of collectibles that we could uh, could expect 
um, coming out for this uh, this Franklin ship and uh, there's a few different ones coming out um, not a lot but um, like I say there's a few things and I, I guess first off um, as part of uh, some of the um, exclusive content when uh, ordering the movie uh, some of the uh, special or, or the um, exclusive content is that uh, there'll be a version of uh, Star Trek Beyond coming out with a uh, with a few different ships and one of the ships included um in that release is um is the franklin and uh that'll be coming out in like some ultimate uh deluxe uh, collector's edition set um looks like it might possibly be a walmart um exclusive um possibly it might be with some other retailers as well too um it does seem like um uh, Walmart has one with three different ships and then there's also uh, another version with just the Franklin and that might be uh, uh, is that uh, possibly an Amazon type kind of exclusive maybe because um, that one is uh, so there's one I think it's Walmart and it's just it's got these kind of these three uh, three ships which is um, you know you've got like the Enterprise and then you've got the uh, uh, what's that that other kind of fighter ship um, that was in the um, in the movie like why is it blanking on me here but uh, what is it oh I wish I could could remember this but uh, anyways I think it was Jayla's ship or whatever um, they've got that or uh, someone's ship I know the ship I just I can't recall it but anyways they've got three ships and then they've got the Franklin and uh, like I say they're they're okay I guess um, they're not the most highly detailed ships when looking at them. They're kind of what they look like. They're just little tiny, small scale, like a couple inches uh, big type kind of ships. So they're not really heavy on the details, um, but they're like, okay. Like truthfully, um, if I buy a collector's editions gift set, I probably wouldn't get this one um, based off that the, um, you know, like say, like the ships are okay, but I, I don't find that they're overly collectible. And then they have another uh, another version, and it just has a, a larger model of the Franklin. And um, again, I think this is more, uh, it's an exclusive, I'm not sure if it's to uh, Amazon or someone else, but they have this larger version of the Franklin, just the Franklin, and it's much more, um, much more detailed. It's got, it comes with a nice little, a nice little plaque and uh, at least from like the little model I'm looking at looks much nicer much more nice way more nicely detailed than that Walmart one uh, like say this might depending on how much this is and if if I can get it or not I might get this one because actually I I really like the look of the the ship on it at least from the uh, the picture they have here what the final um, production uh, release of this model looks like I guess that's a different question but uh, but uh, for now, yeah, that would probably be the uh, the uh, collector's set I would probably get would be this one with this this larger sized Franklin in it, um, as well too. Um, some other Franklin collectibles, I guess, or USS Franklin collectibles is um, I don't believe this year, but next year uh, Hallmark will have their own um, kind of uh, ornament of the Franklin, and uh, they had uh, they had a uh, one kind of shot of it or picture of it, and it looks all right so far. It looks okay, but I'm sure they'll. We'll get some uh, some further shots, and it looks like it'll have you know like it'll have the typical things that these Hallmark uh, 
ornaments have, which are some, um, so you know, sounds and lights and things like that. So that's one I'm kind of uh, going to keep my eye out for too, because I like those Hallmark ships. I think they're really, uh, really nice uh, looking um, ships. So, so that's one I'll be, be uh, you know, keep an eye out and probably get as well too. And then, um, then as well too, uh, like say you got the Eagle Moss ships, which are those um, kind of those those ships which get released in those uh, magazines. Um, like say they have a, a whole series of Star Trek ships, and I guess they they've announced that they're going to also be uh, um, carrying a Franklin ship. And I guess apparently they're going to do one which is maybe a bit larger scale than their their regular um, release of the ships. So it's it's going to be a special version. So not sure when that one's coming out. It sounds like uh, it might be uh, might be a, a bit like say it might not be right away, but probably you know sometime. I guess they say some sometime possibly in the in the next year or so, I guess. So it's probably going to come out next, you know, you know, six months or so. So that's a, another one. Like I said, if you've seen those Eco Moss ships, um, like I say, they, you know, they look pretty cool for the scale they are and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of cool. I'm, I'm so tempted on kind of collecting some of these ships. I'm just worried that, uh, you know, they have quite a few out there and it's just like, I don't know, like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm worried if I start collecting them, like I'll just go too deep into them. And so I'm kind of hesitating right now, but I do like kind of the scale and the look of these ships, and I feel that it kind of uh, fits a fills a need that um, you know that I think uh, is kind of needed. And so, like say, it's something I'll, I'll certainly keep my eye out. And again, like say the you know so the Eagle Moss will be coming out with their version of the USS Franklin as well. Also, one other uh, Franklin ship I saw, which is coming out, is. QMX is actually QMX collectibles. Uh, they're coming out with um, with a USS Franklin as well too, and they actually had a uh, kind of they they had one on display at uh, Comic Con um, back in the summer, and uh, apparently it's a what they call it, it's a mini Masters range uh, ship. So it's because uh, QMX they're known for ma building these like beautiful uh, beautiful models and. Uh, which would cost thousands of dollars, and then they're coming out with this um, this kind of mini Masters range, and uh, the USS Franklin is going to be one one in that range. And uh, I looked at a few pictures of of it, and it looks pretty pretty nice, to be honest with you. And it's one I'll certainly uh, for myself I'll keep an eye on it. I'm not sure how much these things are going to cost or not. Uh, like I said, I'm not really sure. Like I, I looked on the QMX site, but they didn't have anything listed, and uh, I was looking at some other kind of ships, which I think might fall kind of in that line. They look like they're kind of kind of that four or five hundred dollar range. So I'm guessing that this ship might be somewhere in that five hundred dollar range. I'm not really sure though. I guess I'll have to wait and see when the the ship comes out, like how much it's going to cost. But just from looking at the picture so far, it, it looked pretty. Uh, it looked pretty nice. And they also had. Uh, I guess they're also doing a, a Millennium Falcon. In that scale as well too, which which looked uh, pretty interesting. It looked like actually that Millennium Falcon also had like a bunch of compartments and all that kind of uh, so you can take kind of the um, the top off of it and kind of get some more details of like the inside of the ship too. So that one's kind of cool. I'm not, I have no idea like how much that's going to cost or not, but I thought that was really cool. And then I also had a picture of the um, of uh, Star Lord's ship from uh, Galaxy of the Guardians and Milano as well too in this uh, scale and that one looked really nice and uh, I I might be very weak when that one comes out like that one 
I might buy. <laughs> like I say, that one I'm like, oh, I, I like that ship, and that was a really nice looking ship. So that one I might uh, be all over. I'm just hoping that the uh, the cost on these is is something which is uh, is uh, feasible to me. But uh, I digress. And uh, a few other things from uh, QMX as well too. Actually, is they're coming out with a series of uh, one six scale. Um, um, Star Trek uh, figures, uh, like I say, they're kind of starting off with uh, Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock from, you know, the original series. And I have to say, looking at these figures, uh, like the pictures of them, I find the likenesses are pretty good. You know, like uh, Kirk is, uh, you know, Kirk, looking at him at certain angles, he doesn't look correct. and other angles, he looks correct. But for the most part, um, of kind of the one six scale figures I've seen so far of uh, Star Trek. These ones definitely looked to me to be the most um, most correct and most uh, lifelike, um, closest to the actors. And they're coming out with like the whole original um, series crew, it looks like, you know. And then also um, they're actually going to come out with um, some of the. Uh, they're going to come out with some of the you know the some of the figures from like the. The Wrath of Khan as well too, eh? In those um, kind of more in those uh, those movie type kind of uh, tunics and all that kind of stuff, uniforms. So they look really good as well too, eh? They're still, they're just really early in development, but uh, the figures look really impressive. They cost, I think, they're in the kind of the you know kind of one seventy to kind of two hundred dollar range. So kind of in that range of what uh, a lot of these uh, one six scale figures cost nowadays. And it looks like they may also be going into kind of maybe some of the next generation um, figures as well, too, as they go along. So uh, it's really cool that uh, QMX is kind of getting into into making some 1-6 scale figures. I don't really collect 1-6 scale figures, um, um, like the Hot Toys or, or some of the Sideshow stuff um, that they do for like Star Wars or Marvel or DC or whatever. But um, these look really good. And uh, I'm kind of happy that someone's kind of stepping in and kind of filling that void. Because uh, I know I, there's lots of people out there who really like to collect these 1-6 scale um, figures. So it, it's good that they have that option to um, to uh, have these Star Trek uh, figures. So those are ones to kind of uh, keep an eye on as well, too. And then to maybe, um, kind of finish off my collectibles talk here, I'll just talk a little bit about... Um, about uh, the Star Wars ships I talked about uh, a bit and um, a little bit about uh, about uh, what's coming out uh, kind of uh, for those ships in Rogue One. Um, I kind of had to look around and um, looks like, of course, like Hasbro, they're going to be coming out with uh, both a version of the uh, TIE Striker and the U-Wing um, for the three and three quarter inch um, um, scaled figures. Um, and uh, they're coming out with those ships uh, uh, later in September, I guess September 30th or whatever, uh, when they have their kind of their big launch, I guess these will be a uh, part of that launch. And um, those ships, like the, uh, I guess the U-wing fighter is going to retail for 50 American, and then the uh, the the uh, Tie Striker will be 40 American. And uh, again, um, they kind of. Uh, Come for the uh, three and three quarter inch scale figures. Uh, the U wing will come with the Captain Cassian Andor, and the uh, Tie Striker will come with the Imperial Tie Fighter pilot. Um, also, they kind of uh, 
this is kind of a hot button topic in the uh, Star Wars uh, toy collector uh, circles, but they also come with uh, with Nerf darts, which um, I guess it's you know some people like them, some people don't. Uh, I guess some people feel that uh, you know Nerf darts just kind of pull away from kind of um, you know the ship. You know, it's just you know got this big giant kind of uh, Nerf uh, contraption hanging off the ship and a lot of people don't like that because if you're an adult collector and you're buying it more for display and uh, nerf i guess a big nerf uh, dart and contraption just isn't going to look really nice on the ship um so like I say it's kind of uh i can see the argument both ways i guess you know i guess if it's for kids then you know they're they're increasing the play value i can also see the argument where you know, a lot of adults buy these ships and some might make the argument that more adults are buying these than kids are. So um, maybe they should be more uh, geared that way. But uh, regardless, both these ships are kind of coming out in, you know, from Hasbro in their, for their three and three quarter inch line. So it'll uh, be interesting to see when they come out. There's been a few reports of them uh, kind of uh, popping up here and there already, um, like say, so they look okay. Um, kind of on the fence if I'm going to get them or not, to be honest. They seem a little pricey. And again, like I say, I'm not really big on the uh, the nerf element of it, uh, but I'll see. As well, too, I bought some of the ships from uh, uh, when they had the Force Awakens, and I, I found them, actually, I found the you know, the plastic on it, on them felt kind of uh, flimsy and all that. So I felt that just the, the material um, put into, into the toys, uh, I don't know, I just didn't seem to match the, the cost for it. So I'll see, I'll have to see, um, you know, uh, how I feel when these things kind of come out. Um, also too, they're coming out with a big giant uh, AT-ACT. That's a new kind of, um, you know, um, you know, Imperial Walker, I guess. This one's kind of meant more for, uh, you know, it's got a big kind of a cargo uh, carrier, something like that. It's meant to kind of move around cargo, but uh, this one's kind of a hot, button topic too because uh, apparently it uh, it uh, costs quite a lot of dollars it's uh, three hundred dollars American is kind of the uh, the retail price on this and um, I guess the big thing with this one is uh, I guess it's got it it'll move and I guess it's kind of remote control and all that so you can download an app for your phone and you can kind of uh, remote control it around um, and so that's kind of something new for these figures but that said is that worth $300? I don't know. It seems to be really, uh, really expensive, I guess, as well, too. It's the scale on it is kind of smaller than kind of that big AT-AT they had released, uh, you know, if, you know, like a few years back. And um, like, I haven't seen this, but some reports are saying it might actually even be kind of the scale might even actually be a bit smaller than the um, that, even the uh, vintage um uh, vintage uh, ATAT that was released, um, you know, years back, and then they, um, and then some of the modern uh, ATATs were based off those uh, those molds or whatever. So, uh, like I say, three hundred dollars American. Um, I like I say, I, I ship looks like cool, but uh, like I said, I don't really see myself buying it at that price. To be honest with you. Um, you know, if at some point it comes down in price, you know, maybe I'll consider it. But honestly, it'll have to come down at least $100 before I think about it. And it'd have to be quite, uh, you know, have to have good, you know, have to be quite well regarded as well, too. Because, again, I don't want to buy something and then 
you know, at that type of money, and it's not really constructed all that well. As well, too, um, Hasbro also will be coming out with um, with the Tie Striker and the U Wing, also in their uh, in their titanium kind of black series um, scaled um, ships. Those are little diecast ones, so those are set to come out as well, too. So uh, that might be where I kind of feel the need instead of buying the three and three quarter inch size ship, I might just buy the titanium uh, size ship. As well, too, um, we also got the uh, the uh, Lego. Lego is coming out with their own uh, versions of both these ships, the uh, TIE Striker and the U-Wing. And to be honest, uh, again, you know, if I'm going to um, spend the money, and uh, like I said, I'm looking here, like the TIE Striker, the Lego TIE Striker is is uh, retailing or at least on their site right now is uh, seventy dollars American, um, whereas the uh, the Hasbro one I think is was is forty dollars American. I think um, I think I would probably uh, buy the uh, the the Lego one, you know, because just seems like there's more play value in it. You get to uh, build it and all that kind of stuff. So the uh, Lego Tie Striker. Uh, Again, getting released September 30th, along with a lot of the other uh, Rogue Ones uh, sets. Uh, like I say, it's it's seventy dollars. Um, piece count is 543 pieces, and it comes with uh, four minifigs as well too, which is a Tie Pilot, a Imperial Ground Crew, Imperial Shore Trooper, and a Rebel Trooper in Endor outfit, which is odd. <laughs> like why Endor? Uh, why an Endor outfit for a ship? You know, like a for a, a ship for Rogue One. I'm not even sure like why they need a well, just throwing another uh, Imperial uh, minifigure, but uh, interesting to say the least. So that's the Tie Striker from Lego, and then they're also coming out with their own version of the U-wing, and that one's a bit more pricier. That one is uh, ten dollars more at uh, seventy-nine ninety-nine, so eighty eighty dollars American. Uh, that one comes with uh, 659 pieces, and uh, it comes with five minifigures, which is a U-wing pilot, Bistan, which is this kind of uh, monkeyish type kind of uh, uh, character, and I think we saw him in the uh, in the one of the trailers, and he's kind of the uh, guy manning the the gun for the U-wing. I guess he kind of provides kind of some uh, cover fire while uh, you know kind of the troops disembark. So yeah, so like we say, we got five minifigs, like I said, the U-Wing pilot, Bistan, Jin Erso, you know, Jin Erso is the uh, female lead um, for uh, Rogue One, Cassian Andor, um, which I believe is the male lead, I guess, and a rebel trooper. So uh, this, uh, actually this one looks uh, looks pretty nice too, eh? Like I say, I'm looking at the, the picture of the uh, Lego uh, model or Lego ship and it uh, looks pretty nice. So um like I say, so come uh, September 30th, these will be out as well with all the other releases for Rogue One and the kind of the initial release. Um, so uh, I probably get this. This one would probably be the. I probably pick this one up before I pick up the the Tie Striker. It just has some more pieces and it looks like it has a little more play value into it and all that kind of stuff. And it looks like to me, it looks like maybe a bit more fun of a build uh, to me. So that might be one I. Uh, pick up but uh, like I say these Lego sh ships are actually quite a lot of fun actually to build I, I've built a few over the past and I, I kind of enjoy these so uh, like I say um, 
I think this this uh, tie striker or not the tie striker I should say the U-wing will be uh, a Lego ship which will kind of be on my my list of uh, ships to uh, pick up and uh, and build. So that's kind of the uh, collectible talk, and um, I think I'm kind of going to come to the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, like I said, it's kind of uh, getting a little long here, so I think I should probably wrap this up and uh, you know hand the show back to uh, Rico for uh, next week. But anyways, I would just uh, like again to uh, thank uh, everyone for uh, taking the time to uh, listen to the podcast today. And uh, thank you to Rico as well for uh, allowing me to guest host and talk about a subject that I enjoy quite a lot, which is talking about ships. So uh, I really appreciate uh, getting that uh, opportunity to uh, to talk about that today. Um, I guess if you guys have any comments or something like that about uh about uh, this podcast, uh, you can um, drop me a line on the forums. I'm uh, Jedi Jeff on the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi forums. Also, you can uh, send me a you can always send me an email as well too if you're not on the forums or whatever. And that's uh, Jeff at Gmail um, I don't really have a Facebook account. I decided uh, I wasn't going to uh, go with uh, Facebook anymore because uh, I just found uh, I found it was uh, distracting me from some other things. Um, I was trying to trying to do so I don't really um, have Facebook account uh, uh, anymore so like I say if you if you have any comments or something like that you want to pass along to me um, either the forums or like I say you can just um, uh, send send me an email at uh, jeff.jobe so it's j-e-f-f dot j-o-b-b so two b's j-o-b-b at gmail.com and uh, if you have any comments or whatever about the podcast and uh that I, I did this week. So anyways, I'm going to sign off again. Thanks Rico for uh, letting me guest host this week. Um, again, uh, congratulations on the, uh, uh, on the recent milestones and anniversaries and also uh, happy anniversary, happy birthday to uh, Star Trek and to uh, everyone. Um, uh, have a great, great day, great week, great year, great month, great life. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Take care. Here among a billion stars, a lonely ship streaks along an endless path. It's the mammoth starship Enterprise. Follow her trackless journey each week on Star Trek. William Shatner stars as Captain James Kirk, starship commander. And Leonard Nimoy stars as science officer Spock, half earthling, half Vulcanian. There are hazards that beset the Enterprise and its crew on board ship and on alien planets. Don't miss Star Trek in color.